This is Live Well Talk on Breast Cancer Screening. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnityPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Early detection leads to the best survival rates with breast cancer. Joining me today on this topic is Therese Michaels, Manager of St. Luke's Breast and Bone. Welcome. Hello. You know, I, I think let's just start off with it. What age would it be recommended that a woman would start to have screening mammograms? Well, that can be based on um, family history, but average woman um, to start family or screening mams would be first one between 35 and 40. Um, that's if your family history is pretty, you know, non-coherent with the guidelines. If you have first... So meaning that family history contains other relatives that have had breast cancer. Correct. Okay. Correct. So any blood relatives that have breast cancer, especially first degree, like mother, sister, um, daughter, those are considered first degree. So if you have any of those, you should consult with your provider about when to start. Some people start as early as 30, just dependent on that. But average baseline mammography starts between 35 and 40. You run into uh, the same thing that we run into with diabetes. You have the American Diabetic Association. Mm -hmm. You have the Society of Endocrine. They have different definitions and at times different recommendations for diabetes. And they're both very credible. I think you run into that too with breast cancer screening, don't you? We do. We do quite a bit. Um, as far as our department goes, you know, of course, the basic standard is early detection is the best for early prevention. You want to find things small, but there are some different standards and guidelines out there with different, you know, uh, for like, for instance, we go by the ACR, which is American College of Radiology, and the NCCN, which is Natural, National Comprehensive Cancer Network. Those accrediting bodies require you to do 40 and above screening every year, where there's some more um, conservative ones out there that say every two years. Well, okay, independent of the cost of the <laughs> screening exam, what, what, it, what is the risk to having a mammogram? I, I, I'm sure it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that that's, goes without saying. But are there any other downsides? Well, the downside with uncomfortable, um, that has improved quite a bit over the last years. You we're starting to see on the market curved paddling, which is more conforming to the breast, which St. Luke's does have. Um, so in the next, in the, if you ask a lady that had it 20 years ago versus 20 years from now, they're saying that it's a lot more comfortable. It is pressure. The other downsides to it would be really there's no risk or any risk that has been recorded because as far as the radiation goes, it is very highly regulated. It's probably one of the highest regulated fields out there with radiation. So we have yearly physicist tests. We are very regulated by the state. We're regulated by the FDA. So we run tests yearly for that. So basically your radiation intake for one ma'am is a lot less than if you were to fly on an airplane across the United States. Yeah, so that's closely watched and lower risk Very radiation exposure. So. And I think overall that's the direction of radiology to limit radiation exposure. I mean, I think we've talked about it more than we did when I first started practice medicine 22 years ago. Now, sometimes I hear women have dense tissue and then they may recommend like an, uh, an MRI. Can you tell me about that? Dense tissue is something that's been newly, um, you know, we've known about it for a while, but for patients, it's becoming more of a law where we um, allow patients to know what their level of dense tissue is. 
the state of Iowa passed a law about a year, two years ago, where in your letter, your result letters, you are notified of how dense your tissue is. The dense tissue is basically where the patient's breast is made up of glandular tissue, which is technically um, where the dense tissue falls into, and then there's fatty. So on a mammogram, fatty looks black, um, breast tissue, the dense tissue looks white. So basically it's almost like looking through fog and you're trying to find a polar bear in fog. So when you have more dense tissue than the fatty tissue, it can tend to obscure some things that may be small and growing in there. So we have other tests that can help that too as far as um, screening goes. What are those tests? Uh, first, the first one's automated breast ultrasound. That is where it's a 3D image of your breast for, um, by ultrasound, which is sound waves. And it's an automated system where it goes back and forth and scans in different planes and kind of penetrates that dense tissue a little bit better. So that has been up and coming. I think so we're- Is yeah. that the same as 3D mammography? Uh, 3D, it's, it's the same kind of visual plane, but it kind okay. of looks at the breast in a different projection. Okay, all right. Yeah. When does an MRI get requested? Breast MRI is a little more in depth. Um, that also sometimes includes an injection. So with those, those are definitely more expensive. Um, we're not seeing as many insurance companies covering that. So we do that when the family risk is more. So if you have both where dense tissue is and you have a higher family risk factor, you know, we start looking more details into the breast MRI for those kind of patients. And if, if I'm a woman who has dense tissue at the age of 36, do I lose that over time? Does it become less dense or is that just something that is with them? It can definitely become less dense because the estrogen levels kind of drop in the patient. So we start seeing a more of a decrease um, in the postmenopausal, perimenopausal age. There's some, very few, but there are some that continue to have that kind of dense tissue throughout their lives. So at some point, do you just, as a center, you recommend that they just go right to the, some sort of enhanced mammography to begin with? Or do you always have to start with basic mammography and work through? Well, at St. Luke's, we have 3D mammography, which is, you know, it's it's basically, if you think about a loaf of bread and you cut a bunch of slices through it, so we're taking that one picture and we're developing it into 80 to 100 thin slice layers through your breast. It's almost like a CAT scan where they can break it down and look at it layer by layer. So that now for us is a standard of care at St. Luke's, so we do provide that for all patients to come up for. So that helps with the dense tissue. And then after that, you know, it's recommended, if we recommend the dense tissue like the ABUS, we go into those uh, modalities as well. So if, if uh, my patient or loved one has mammography that's abnormal or normal, mm -hmm. how soon am I notified? Usually within the first 24 hours, um, we're, we're seeing patients leave our facility and within two hours they're getting a text notification on their um, cell phone. And that's usually patients that are signed up for the patient portal um, where they receive those informa that information online. Um, if you are getting called back or if there's a diagnostic problem where they need to do more detailed pictures, we usually call you within the next two days to and set you up for that. So it's rather quick. Very quick. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine a patient would want to be left uh, wondering uh, whether or not they have a, a cancer. If 
if a, a mass or nodules felt on self-examination as well as perhaps by the family practitioner, does that still get into mammogram first or does it go straight to biopsy? It definitely goes to mammogram first. Mammogram's always the golden standard um, to find something, but it would be start off as a diagnostic mam. So a diagnostic mam compared to a routine screening mam is you come in and you get the test done and you are already set up for an ultrasound if that is needed. And then you're also getting the results before you leave our facility that day. So if you do, if it does go into a biopsy, you are scheduled for that before you leave our office. So in summary, the age to start at if you're high risk is 35. Correct. The age to start at if you're not high risk is 40? Well, the baseline you do between 35 and 40. And then starting at 40, you do a mammogram every year. Okay. And when did you say we stopped doing mammograms? Stop doing mammograms. Um, we basically, we definitely do have a lot of questions with that because of our aging population in this area. We do get a lot of patients asking that. Um, when they come in and ask us that, we usually say, first of all, it's up to you and your provider because your provider knows your history best. Second thing is if you were or if somebody were to find a cancer in your breast, are you healthy enough to have that surgery? Are you healthy enough to have that excised out? And if your answer to that is yes, then we prefer that you do it every year. Okay. You know, with prostate screening, you reach a certain age as a male and you're going to die from something else. And that's why they quit screening for prostate cancer at a certain age. Right. You know, but breast prostate is very slow. For the most part, there's exceptions, a slow growing cancer. Breast can be very quick. Right. And, and time is of the essence. So a good screening definitely leads to early detection, which improves survival. Correct. Correct. It definitely. I mean, again, early detection is the best prevention. And there is different kind of growing cancers. There's fast growing and there's slower growing. So you just don't know what you're going to deal with until it gets biopsied. Yeah, I, I would say my surgical colleagues tend to move pretty quickly when a, a patient has breast cancer to, to get it surgically removed if Absolutely. that's what's needed. They, they don't, that's not something they tend to delay. 1% of breast cancer is men. Is there anything men should be doing for screening? Men should definitely. And, you know, again, there's some different studies out there as far as self-breast exam, but they should definitely be checking too because they can definitely be affected by that. Um, recently, we had a male that had precancerous cells in there because of lumps, but they can also have most common is what's gynecomastia. So that is not non-cancerous. But they should also definitely be, you know, just doing a self-exam as well. Okay. One last question. Why'd you, how'd you end up in breast and bone and, and the cancer center? Yeah, um, it was kind of more of a personal choice and actually going through it personally with my mom. Started x-ray school, but then during that, uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this was back in the 90s when there was probably not as much um, updated things with, you know, prevention. She um, passed away when she was 44. So it just started that increase of knowledge for that. So right out of x-ray school, I basically went into mammography and been in it ever since. Well, that's neat. Yeah, yeah definitely. One thing about breast cancer, and this is just from my point of view, but I think most men share this, is it's someone's mom, daughter, Correct. or sister, you know, Correct. and so you tend to move quickly on it or wife. And uh, which is for, for the best, obviously, but uh, I think it just has a heightened sense of something that we should be doing something about. 
Definitely, definitely. It's one of the highest um, causes of, you know, cancers out there for sure. It, it always blows my mind, like back in the 1950s, culturally, like you wouldn't talk about it if you had cancer. Exactly. It just, it just totally just, it's unfathomable, but that's the way it was. You right. know, you, you kind of held that, you didn't talk about it because there was a stigmata with having cancer of any sort. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just so not true these days. Yes. Um, we've had women before that wouldn't even tell their own husbands back then that they were yeah, getting treated yeah, for that. It was yeah. very, I mean, very common for that. But now we're starting to see this newer generation come in knowing their background history, which now they they can be tested for genes, genetics. We have genetic counseling on board. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Tests. So stuff you've never heard of before. And the, you know, as far as prevention, it is um, not as, uh, what do you want to call it? It's just not as invasive as it used to be as well. Which is for the better. Right. Well, this is really great information today. Thanks so much for taking time to talk to us about this important topic. Again, this was Therese Michaels, manager of St. Luke's Breast and Bone. For more information, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.